0: Hey everybody, my name is Eric Arnault, and this is the first part of February's The Nerdologues Presents Your Stories Podcast. This month we're featuring the theme of Full Hearts, because it's just about Valentine's Day, and because we're fortunate enough to be joined in-house by the wonderful group of comedians known as All of Our Feelings at Once. This episode enjoys stories from troop members Allison Lynch and Britta Rowings, as well as Nerdalogs member Chris Geiger, librarian and friend Chris Crotwell, and fellow comedians Case Blackwell and Tim Dunn, plus the usual music from me, Dwight Hessler, and Claire Friedman. Uh, if you enjoy your stories, you probably know what to do by now. Come to the next one. Uh, we record the third Sunday of every month at the Public House Theatre, 3914 North Clark Street in Chicago. Uh, our next recording happens to be this Sunday, February 16th, and the theme is Fan Fiction 2. Uh, we did a fan fiction show last year and it turned out great, so we're going to give it another go. Uh, we also have special guest Peaches and Hot Sauce and the Chicago Nerd Comedy Fest, who do a fan fiction show every month, so it makes perfect sense. So come on in at 7pm, enjoy a free show, and maybe get on a podcast. Uh, finally, don't forget to check out the other Sweet Nerdologues podcasts, including MBSing with Mary Beth Smith, the Nerdalogcast, and the just-added Talking Games with Tim and Clayton, uh, the same Tim who appears on this episode, by the way. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for listening, and please enjoy. First time I ever played in Drop D in public, if that tells you anything.
1: That tells me nothing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she eyes me like a Pisces when I am... for weeks I've been brought into your magnetar trap I wish I could eat your cancer when you turn Trying to kill me, and here's an example of that.
0: I just love this song, and like yeah, I, I I delight I in making people who can actually sing it sing it. So,
3: sing water, water go, if you can.
0: yeah, it's a challenge. <clears throat> if this doesn't embody full hearts, <clears throat> I don't know what does. It's a music joke, guys.
2: <laughs> I hear the ticking of the clock, I'm lying here. The room's pitch door. And the night goes by so very slow
0: Said, Get it? Get it? <laughs> <laughs> it's all my end. I assume all mine are good. Um, so tonight is a night about you guys telling stories but we do tend to kick things off with a member of the Nerdalogs, and tonight we have Mr. Chris Geiger. Chris! Woo! uh
4: So uh, as Eric uh, pointed out earlier uh, our, our last Your Stories ten- our last couple of Your Stories actually tended to be a little maudlin. So uh <laughs> I decided I would try like a little bit here. Um, so, uh,. <laughs> It's gonna be, it's gonna be so funny. <laughs> uh, so okay, so I was I was uh, I was watching Star Trek the other day, and uh, I was watching particularly Riker uh, talk to people. And I don't know if you know this, but Riker is one of the funniest people I have ever seen <laughs> on the planet. Uh, if you've never watched Star Trek, then. I don't know what to say Uh, He's the best Uh, I model my beard after his um, And my body type Uh, So I pulled uh, Nine quotes here uh, Of his From the master joke teller himself Commander Riker And I'm going to explain Situations that you could use these quotes in You know If you want to seed them into your everyday life like I have If you're trying to model yourself like Riker uh, so in the movie Insurrection, after he shaved his beard, uh, <laughs> Data, Data is, like, looking at him because he's, like, confused because apparently Data has never seen a clean-shaven face before, uh, <laughs> except, particularly on Riker, it wasn't until, it was, like, since season one, so it's forever for him, you know. Androids have very short-term <laughs> memories. Uh, so, so Riker pops out the really smooth quip, smooth as an android's bottom, eh, Data? while stroking his face. Now, you can say this to babies. You can say this to ladies. Like, you could really use this in any context where something might be smooth. Uh, You know, it's a little jarring if you say androids in a common sentence, because, I mean, that comes out of nowhere. But, like... (laughs) And I probably wouldn't use a data, you know, at the end of it, because I, you know, probably use the other person's name, you know. But, but Androids, bottom is if you're amongst your group of like nerd friends, that might really be pretty funny. You might be, it might be a good hit. In the same movie, Insurrection, uh, Worf gets a big pimple. This is a major plot point for the movie Insurrection. And, and Riker. Riker, uh, because he's just all over this movie, he's just cracking wise, you know, because that's classic Riker right there, especially when he cuts off his beard, Uh, and he gets in a turbo lift with with Worf, and Worf is really, like, really, like, particular about his fucking huge-ass pimple on his nose, fucking great movie insurrection. and, and, and Riker just says, Klingons don't do anything small, do they? You know, talking about his pimple. Obviously, Worf is really already wounded about the fact he has a pimple on his face, and Riker just get some on that one you know you could say this in texas you know or like new maybe new york or something you know like you're walking around they're like man klingons don't do anything small do they and it'd be, it'd be kind of weird jarring for some people around you but like again your nerd friends like think it's hilarious so moving on and the movie fine. for in the movie first contact uh troy's really drunk at a certain point so you see where i'm going here and troy troy says it's a pr-, she's drunk and she, and Riker's giving her shit, and she's like, it's a primitive culture, I'm just trying to blend in, and then he hits back with a classic Riker line, you're blended alright. <laughs> you know you could say this after a really cool night uh like maybe after maybe maybe after someone's making some like margaritas you could say it like oh those are blended all right you know like you really gave it to them you know you come in re- looking real smooth and no one knows it's a star trek reference that's the best part because blended you're blended all right no no star trek there's no data there's no klingons uh, like the first two <laughs> Uh, the next one, in the first episode, Data, first episode of Star Trek, Data says, I'm superior, sir, in many ways, but I would gladly give it up to be human. And Riker says, nice to meet you, Pinocchio. (laughs) A joke. He says a joke afterwards. So, what, so, what I'm pointing from this is that you can really, so, you could really use the phrase a joke after anything you say,
5: uh,
4: and it would be a joke. And, and, you know, as Data proved, he didn't really laugh at it because he doesn't have a sense of humor, and so thus you can kind of interpret their non laughter as the same reaction Data gave, and you're in on the joke with you. Uh, so, Troy, in another episode, uh, Troy is getting a hug by Riker and she says, So, is this how you handle all your personal problems? And Riker says, Sure, you'd be surprised how far a hug goes with Geordie or Worf. <laughs> I mean, you can really use this to describe any relationship you have. You know, like, uh, you, could, you know, you're hugging someone, you know, and you could, if you have like two friends, one of them being black and one of them being aggressively black, you know, you could, you could really use that to describe how you hug them because they would react very poorly to it, you know. That's what I interpret what Riker means here. Uh, in another episode, Riker's hitting on a computer-generated woman in the holodeck. And he says, what's a knockout like you doing in a computer-generated gin joint like this? This is a great pickup line, guys. (laughs) I mean, you could really go in and say anything about computer-generated gin joints. And um, if that lady doesn't love you immediately, you know, that's pretty fucking... I mean, if she's a Star Trek fan,
5: (laughs) I mean... (laughs) uh,
4: Next line here... Riker's doing something shady, and he goes, O'Brien, take a nap. You didn't see any of this. You're not involved. And Brian, O'Brien goes, right, sir, I'll just be standing over here dozing off. So this is a line you can really use if you're doing something really sketchy. You know, you just say, hey, man, take a nap. You didn't see any of this. You're not involved. And if you get in real close on it, yeah, it'd be good. <laughs> uh, second to last one. Uh Rik Q Q summons some fantasy women on top of Riker and Riker says appropriately, I don't need your fantasy women. He doesn't. Uh and neither do you. So if you know like you're at a strip club or something, you know, and like there's women you know being paid to like lap dance on you, you could say, I don't need your fantasy women.
5: <laughs>
4: I don't know, guys. <laughs> that one worked in my head. Um The last one I have. And I think you'll all get it as soon as I say it. It's some days you get the bear, and some days the bear gets you. I have no fucking clue what that means.
5: <laughs>
4: but I'm sure if you use it in conversation, you would be instantly popular.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: and so those are my tips to conversation from William Riker.
0: Thank you, Chris. That, uh, that story was smooth as an Android behind. Hey, Data?
5: I'm doing it. I'm doing it. All
0: right, guys. Uh, like Chris and Kevin mentioned earlier, we have all of our feelings at once uh, in the house. With so many feelings. So many feelings. Coming up first from that wonderful troupe of people, Allison Lynch.
1: I didn't know I could have a script. I wish I brought it. Um, okay, so this is not the most original sentence that's ever been said, but I was not cool in high school. (laughs) Um, It wasn't bad. like I wasn't picked on. I had friends, but I was just actively not cool. And it kind of weighed on me a little bit that I couldn't really float around from group to group. I had my solid group of friends. Um, And the summer between junior and senior year, I went on this Trip that was organized by one of the teachers um, to Spain, France, and Italy for two weeks. It was like twenty kids. It was crazy. We like stayed in a different city every night whirlwind um, and looking back on it, I get kind of like mad at myself because the the social hierarchy of the group was like all that was on my mind for those two weeks. I went with my friend Leah <laughs> and she I've known her since preschool we like grew up together so that was great I had a buddy and then there was like some randos and then there was
5: like
1: <laughs> 60% of the group was like cool kids from my class and I was like are you fucking kidding me like I just want I was like let them just please accept me can we go see the Vatican together like please I I, I just waste I wasted 2 weeks in Europe trying to be cool um And so one of the nights we went to um, a discoteca in <laughs> Barcelona, like with our teacher <laughs> and the, the parent supervisor, people that came with us. Um, and this was the night that I chose to get drunk for the very first time. <laughs> um, and one of the cool girls, Kaylee, she brought Bacardi in her backpack. And so we are in the bathroom taking just shots of Bacardi with no chaser, which is fucking disgusting. <laughs> like, to me now and then also. But I was like, well, I guess this is just how this works. <laughs> um, and then, like, the the club was on, like, the roof of a building. And if you went, like, across the deck, there was another bar on the other side where, like, some of the guys were buying drinks away from the teacher. And I went over there and I... uh was told I should order a Long Island iced tea, which I knew that that was, like, really, like, heavy shit because I've seen Gilmore Girls and they get really drunk. Um, and and I was like, this will be great. So I ordered it, and it came in, like, a, a... martini glass and it was clear and i think it was just straight liquor it tasted like kerosene but once again i was like i don't know like this is just people just hate alcohol but it makes you feel good so this is how this will just be for the rest of our lives um and like so like it, the night was so fun. Like we danced, we're having a great time. I was like, these people are accepting me. It was awesome, and I was just like lightly hammered. <laughs> um, and we go, so we go back to our hotel, and I'm in the elevator on the way up to my our room with my friend from growing up, Leah, who had not been drinking, and she's like really quiet, and she looks at me and she's like, "You just followed them around like a little dog all night." <laughs> I'm like still drunk but like she wasn't wrong um but I don't say anything and we go into our room and I can tell that like a fight is about to happen um but there's a knock on our door and it's one of the parent chaperones and she says can, I, can you guys please come down to the lobby everyone's meeting in the lobby um and so we go down there, and everyone's sitting down there, and it's, like, very solemn. And Mr. Cafasso, the Spanish teacher, who was, like, organized the trip, like, I know that you guys were drinking tonight. And just... To backtrack a little bit, like, my school is very strict about drinking. It was Jesuit high school. Like, we got breathalyzed going into every school dance. If, if you got, well, you had to roll a dice, and if you rolled a certain number, you'd have to get breathalyzed. So, that's not like everyone, but, and I never had to do it. But I was also never drunk, so who cares? Um, and, like, if you got in trouble for drinking or doing drugs, like, unrelated to school off campus, like, you'd get, um, you know, they'd take action, like, within school, you get suspended or something, I don't know. Um, and so, he's like, well, like, so this is, like, you guys were drinking, like, during school, basically, um, so what we're going to do is, we're I have a breathalyzer, and we're going to, like, give a test, and... Like, then we'll send you home from Europe. Like, I was shitting my pants. It was, like, the first time I'd ever been drunk. I was, like, so cliched, like, doing it to be cool. And I'm going to, like, go have to, like, go home to my parents and be like, well, I'm sorry I got sent home, like, from Spain. <laughs> um, And I was, like, praying so hard that, I, I don't know. So he had to... We had to draw cards. And if you drew an ace... If if you drew an ace, you had to get breathless. And he's, like, coming around the cards. And I'm, like, almost crying. Like, about to just tell everyone, like, I'm so sorry. Um, And he comes over to me, and he, like... Holds the cards out, and I can see the bottom card. It was a nine of hearts. I will never forget it. <laughs> and I was like, Yoink! <laughs> like, no, I don't need to take the test. Um, and so I saved my own life. Um, and only two people had to get breathalyzed, and they were like two of four people that had not been drinking. So we were all fine. <laughs> so we like, <laughs> took the elevator up. And, like, I was in the elevator with my teacher, and he had been my teacher the previous year. My Spanish name was Alicia. And he was like, you are good tonight, right, Alicia? And I was like... Like, the fluorescent lights were, like, making me feel crazy. And I was like, yeah, definitely. Um, And... Yeah, I mean, like, two weeks... And I wasn't even that drunk. Like, two weeks later, I had my first, like, vomiting hangover. <laughs> which is something I live with to this day. So, that's always...
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Allison. That is the weirdest, like, D&D style. Like, <laughs> were you behaving bullshit? We're kind just of... trying to
3: encourage you to make mistakes.
0: Or they're encouraging you to gamble, which is, I mean, that's that's cool. Legit. Every time you
3: drink, you gamble.
0: <laughs> and every time you gamble, you drink. It's a vicious circle.
3: Chris Crotwell, everybody. All right. Hey, everybody. It's a fun story to get to go after, actually. Um, I've tried to live a life based on compassion and empathy. Uh, there's something wrong with everybody. There's something that follows... All of us around, something you don't feel good about. Some of you might masturbate incessantly uh, in places it's totally not acceptable to do, and and that's okay. Um, some of you might have problems with food. You just binge and purge, eat a cake, puke in your bathroom. Some of you might steal when you don't need to, and some of you might lie for reasons you don't even understand. Some of you might be quick to anger um, and hurtful words. I'm an alcoholic. A
5: joke.
3: No. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. I'm an alcoholic.
6: Oh my. And
3: so instead of telling a story, uh, because there are lots about uh, about the sort of things that happen when you do drink to excess. And really, this shouldn't come as a surprise to any of the people that know me terribly well, because I've slept on your floors and couches. I've thrown up in your bathrooms. I threw up in front of Tim Dunn at Alex's bachelor party. In public, that was horrible. Um, uh, I'm going to talk about something that you learn a lot about. uh, And it's shame. And apologies. Uh, When you're drunk, you have to apologize a lot. And every every apology has two constituent parts in my mind. Uh, the first half is contrition. You express contrition. You feel bad. Do you feel bad? And if that's the case, the second half, and the slightly more magical half, is forgiveness. That's what makes the apology work. Apologies work because of forgiveness. And sometimes the most important person to apologize to is yourself. But we're not all very good at that. You know? It's a lot easier sometimes to be really empathetic about the problems that other people have. And really easy to spend all your time beating up on yourself. I think this is something that a lot of people go through. But when you apologize halfway to yourself, when you just leave sort of flaccid, rotting contrition inside you somewhere, uh, it gets toxic. And that's where guilt and shame come from. Because you don't forgive. When it's the first half and not the second, it just weighs you down. And I don't know what it's like to be inside of your lived experience, but shame for me is paralyzing. It's like the nothing from the never-ending story, except you can't have some extra-dimensional kid just give a name to some sort of pre-adolescent monarch and have you put back together again. Once all those pieces are split apart, it's going to take some work. So you isolate yourself, and the world grays out. Food tastes less like food, and colors look less like colors, and textures become dull. And you live that way, because you don't know how to forgive yourself, and maybe you don't want to. Sometimes when people's lives aren't going well, they say they need to find themselves. But that's a farce, because that's what you say when you already don't like yourself. Look in the mirror. You're already there. That's who you are. Get busy liking that person. Because it's a life sentence. You live with them. I was born an alcoholic and I will die one. That's something I'll live with for the rest of my life. But it's fine. It's not fine all the time. But it's fine. It's fine. Because what you have to do is say that it's okay. You have to learn to forgive yourself. I brought a piece of art. It's, one of a, it's a really special thing that I own. That one of my best friends made for me. Um, it's not terribly special, uh, she gave it to me last time she was up here, uh, just torn out of the margins of a sketchbook. And it's just a, a lady, uh, and she's just saying, Forgive yourself over and over and over. Because you'll have to. No matter what you feel bad about, you're going to have to deal with it more than once. You have to deal with it over and over and over. And you have to be ready to accept that and deal with that process. Um... My mom used to say you'd worry less about what other people thought if you realized how little they did. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. I like that a lot. Like, it's brilliant folksy old southern lady wisdom, which is my favorite kind of wisdom. <laughs> By far and away the best kind of wisdom. Um, and I think there's a different way to think about that. Uh, you'd worry less about what other people thought about you if you thought more about other people. Because something that shame and guilt does is it makes you paranoid. It twists the way that you think other people see you. It changes the way that you perceive things that people say. I was at a party for the holidays a couple months ago, uh, and my friend Kyle Talley, who, if you don't know him, he's a big man with an even bigger heart. Uh, It's amazing that his heart can even fit in that frame and is an ample
5: frame.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was taking it pretty easy, and he just leans over to me and really sweetly says, You know, Crotwell... I'm super proud of you tonight. You're pacing yourself really well. And that should have been really sweet. But it fucking killed me. It was the hardest thing I'd heard anyone say in years. Because you don't want to look in that mirror. You know, you don't want to have that put right there. Because you already worry. I mean, you know everybody knows. It's hard. Alcoholism's a very public problem. Uh... As a person in the Western world, the shit is everywhere. And I mean everywhere. Uh, the ads for it are outlandish and ridiculous. There aren't many places where people aren't doing it. And so you know that people know, but you don't like to think about it. And when Kyle said that, it cut me right down. But that's not what it should have done. Because sometimes what you need to do is look at yourself through other people's eyes. I have a lot of people that love me. A lot of people love me for good goddamn reasons. You know? My parents love me to death. I've got amazing friends from home that call all the time. Geiger has put up with me for three goddamn years in that apartment. For three years. And I'm not saying it's not because he's a saint, because that would be a lie. (laughs) He is a saint. The man's a saint. But the reason he puts up with it is because he loves me. And what I need to be able to see is what he sees. You know, I fell in love this year, and, uh, and with Shelby Mongan, who I met right here. She's a beautiful person that a lot of you know. She'll
6: know that was you, Dwight. She'll know. She, Dwight, you, Dwight said that. She'll Dwight know. That.
3: She'll know. <laughs> 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 um, and what I need to see when I think about myself is what she sees when she looks at me. And you all have to figure out how to do that on your own time with your own problems, You have to forgive yourself over and over and over because that's magic. You don't want to carry that around with you all the time. You need to be able to move forward. If you're always ashamed and guilty, then you're always running away from something. And and to be at risk of sounding too much like a compilation of phrases you'd find crocheted on doilies in old ladies' (laughs) apartments or airbrushed on sand dollars at the beach, (laughs) you should be running towards something, not away from something. Your passions should be what drive you and you can't do that until you forgive yourself and you're okay. I ran away from Tuscaloosa to Chicago. I didn't run to Chicago. But now I'm ready to run toward what my passions are. To get my curiosity back. To take care of myself and respect myself because this hangs beside my bed. And I see it every morning when I wake up. And I might not always see it, but it'll always be there, a tiny refrain in the back of my head saying, forgive yourself, over and over and over.
0: not everyone got the memo that's okay that was that was beautiful <laughs> hi Shelby we all miss you except Dwight <laughs> uh, coming up next another guest from All Our Feelings at Once Miss Britta Rowings
7: uh, my story is also a sad one <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but there, there is one funny thing to remember the whole time so uh, it's takes place in eighth grade. I had just moved to Omaha, Nebraska in the fall. It's the fall. I have one friend. She lives down the street. We were set up on a date by our moms through, like, people in the neighborhood that had heard we'd both just moved there. No. <laughs> um, and I was a dancer at the time. Um, and on Saturday mornings, I took ballet class. Uh, so just this whole story, remember that the entire time, I'm wearing a blue leotard, pink ballet tights, tennis shoes, and nothing else. Um, So my mom and I had just come home, and we pulled in. We lived... Omaha is full of like housing developments. So we lived in Barrington Park, and there was a very nice walking path and biking path behind our house uh, and a little creek and a bridge, and you could take the biking path under the bridge. It was so nice and Midwestern. Um, And we came back. We drove into our driveway, and we saw down there was a clearing by the path where they'd have, like, soccer practice and stuff. Uh, there were a bunch of people, which was very strange. Um, so we're like, I guess we should go see why all our neighbors are standing down there. This seems weird. So we walked down, um, and they were not our neighbors. They were not people we knew. It was a high school marching band whose bus had gone off the bridge and gone into the creek. Um and uh, high school girls, when they're upset, are not something that is pleasant to see. <laughs> um, high school girls who are upset for legitimate reasons is even worse. <laughs> uh, so my mom and I came down. We were, one of our other neighbors had come down who was actually an ER doctor, which was amazing because uh, these high schoolers and their chaperones were coming up from the creek. It was kind of a steep embankment and were crying and had blood on them, um, and it was terrifying. So my mom said, because I was like, uh, I'm in eighth grade. Uh, <laughs> my mom was like, we have to go, we have to help them. So we went back to our house, and we got blankets, because they were in shock, and we got pitchers of water, and I remember I was walking down the path, Again, I'm in a leotard and tights, tennis shoes, and nothing else. Um, I'm holding a bunch of blankets. I have this pitcher of water. My hand is shaking because I am freaking out. I don't know what's happening. So I get down there, and there's no water left in the pitcher. <laughs> but I give them the blankets. Um, and someone else had brought them water, and they were like, we need straws because the people couldn't drink out of cups. And I was like, okay, I have to find straws. Um, so I like ran back up through my house. There's no straws. Um, We go to, I had run into my neighbor, Erin, who was a year younger than me, also went to our middle school. Um, And so we're in her house and we're looking for straws and we're like in her basement and we're going through and her brother is there. Her brother is my age. His name is Jeff and he has Down syndrome. And he was playing backyard baseball on GameCube, I think. Um, and he was like, "What are you guys doing?" We're like, "We're getting straws. We need straws." Was, why? Why do you need straws? We're like, there's people, and we have to bring on the straw. Why do you have to bring the people straws? Uh, there, a, a, the bus went off the bridge. We have to go. It was, it was an accident. And he said, "Why?" Because it was an accident. Why? Because it was an accident. Why? Because it was an accident. Like, when you're little and you just say, why? Because? Why? Because? Um, And it was the first moment in my life that uh, I really realized what an accident was. Um, Car accidents, usually there is someone at fault. Someone is drinking. Someone doesn't stop at a stop sign. Uh, There is someone to blame. Uh, In this case, the driver of the bus was not drunk. Um... There was. It was maybe there had been construction, and the like painting on the road was confusing or something. Uh, but it was the first case I really realized when Jeff asked me that an accident means that there is no reason. Um, and he couldn't accept that, and we couldn't accept that. Um, the only answer we could give is that. But people are helping. Which was a great answer, because people were helping. And that felt good, even if I brought an empty pitcher of water and two blankets that my grandma had (laughs) Um, And it it was an epic day. Like, the medevac helicopters came in, and, like, four students died and one of the chaperones. And it was awful. And the next year in ninth grade, I was in the marching band for my high school. So I went to the same marching band competition that they had all gone to that year. Um, fast forward five years, I was writing my uh, essay, applying to college, and my mom was like, you should definitely write about that time the bus went off, and we helped them. <laughs> And uh, I was like, yeah, that was probably the most meaningful thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I wrote an essay about... Grilling burgers. Um, so that's what I have chosen to do with my life. Um, I don't know that's about it. It's just what I'll always remember. But
0: thank you so much, Britta. Uh... I, I quoted Bon Jovi on my college entrance essay And like later day Bon Jovi Like 2001 Bon Jovi It's a wonder that I stand before you an educated man how <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, they saw right through that And they're like yeah we'll still give him a chance uh, Oh boy Anyway uh, Besides all our feelings at once We also have some other great comedy guests in the house From my Chicago Valentine A friend of Kevin Reader's Who is a great friend by the way Case
8: Blackwell
5: Woo! <laughs>
8: Guys, um, so when I was 22, I became a manstress. Um, in case that's not self-explanatory, that's when a usually younger guy dates a married, usually older woman. Um, now I wish I had a better reason for participating in adultery, but I really don't. I was just very lonely at the time. I was living with uh, in Virginia with my parents which was something I was endlessly self-conscious about. And I rarely went out, and when I did, I certainly did not have the best luck with girls my own age or girls in general. Uh, But that year, at a Halloween party, I met a beautiful 33-year-old woman dressed as Morticia Adams.
5: Uh And
8: when I told her both my age and living situation, her eyes lit up. (laughs) And I don't think it was so much a uh, cougar thing as it was this guy doesn't have a lot going on in his life. He would be perfect for my many, many adultery fantasies. And that's what our relationship was really all about. Uh, I remember about a week after we had started seeing each other, she asked me if I would be cool with uh, going to a restaurant where she and her husband would be eating dinner. She wanted me to sit at a table within view of them, but never acknowledge their presence.
5: LAUGHTER um,
8: She said, for some reason, the idea of me being in the same room as her husband without him knowing it was super exciting and sexy. Not that I I want to give myself any credit, but I refuse to do that. Uh, But but I should have ended the entire relationship because that is super creepy. Um, But I didn't. Again, she was very pretty. I was very lonely. I did do certain things she was looking for Um, She was super into poetry So we would read each other self-authored erotic poetry Before (laughs) sex And that is It's as gross as it sounds Um, We would break into empty buildings Late at night And have sex in dark derelict rooms (laughs) Um, this isn't maybe as creepy, but we, we took a one-day, one-night vacation to Washington, D.C., where all we did was go to the Spy Museum and then stay in a boutique hotel with red everything and paintings of vaginas everywhere. <laughs> uh, but eventually, she had gotten about as many fantasies out of me as she was looking for or I was willing to give. Either way, we steadily talked uh, less and less. Um, and when neither of us had really reached, reached out to each other in about three weeks, I assumed it was over. But then, uh, right about that three-week mark, three mark, she sent me the following email. Case, I know that we haven't talked in a while, but please respond to this as soon as possible. My husband has had some weird fatigue symptoms, and I think a cold or virus that he hasn't been able to shake. Maybe I'm just panicking, but I've been reading about the early symptoms of HIV, which include fatigue. Could you have given me something I passed on to my husband? Please let me know if I should be worried, dot, dot, dot maybe over drinks (laughs) (laughs)
6: Uh,
8: I I promise I don't have HIV or AIDS uh, and that's that's recent I know I know recently I knew back then too after a test um but yeah, it really took her asking me out for drinks and uh, asking if I had transitively given her husband HIV in the same <laughs> paragraph uh, for it to really sink in just how wrong the relationship was. <laughs> we never got those drinks, and I never saw her again.
0: Hey, that was a, that was a hell of a story, man. Um Jesus. Do you want to say a few words about My Chicago Valentine? Like, what is that? Where can people see it? Oh, uh,
8: it's in this room, uh, Friday and Saturdays at 8 until February
0: 15th. In this room, guys. You already know where that is. No excuses. Yeah, Geiger's clapping. Yeah, give it up for the Public House Theater. Cool. All right. We're going to do one more story, then we're going to take a short intermission. Uh, we mentioned at the top of the show that this gentleman is coming under the Nerdlocked podcast umbrella with his great show, Talking Games with Tim and Clayton. This is Tim Dunn. Yeah.
9: Uh, Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Um, Can we get another round of applause for Chris Crotwell's story, by the way? That was amazing. Um, Chris, you don't have to worry about vomiting in front of me. One of the first times I met Clayton, I had just vomited all over the Belmont stop. So. (laughs) And. And I, I had I had just vomited on my shoes, and Clayton went, "What's wrong with your shoes?" And I said, "I don't remember this, but my friends told me." I said, "Ah, they keep my keep my, they keep my feet warm." So. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm kind of nervous about my monologue because I'm not entirely sure that I can, like, plug this on Facebook or or stuff. Um, we have some tech-savvy people here. There is a way that you can, like, not allow, like, one specific person to see it, right? Yeah. There is that. That's a thing. <laughs> Good night. Um, then I might be okay. Mine is about romance. Um, uh, when I was told that the theme was full hearts, uh, two things came to mind. Romance and the part in uh, A Link to the Past where you're climbing the mountain and those boulders keep hitting you, yeah. and because <laughs> I, I and it made me think of this time where I I got my hopes up uh, in love and uh, uh, my hearts were completely <laughs> depleted that night <laughs> again and again and again. Uh, it was two two New Year's Eves ago. And to follow the metaphor I've already established, let's, uh, let's call this girl uh, Zelda. Um, <laughs> so I know this girl in Chicago named Zelda, and we <laughs> I met her at this theater I worked at after college where it was an uh, outdoor historical drama theater. And if you don't know what that is, it's like when people come up to you and you're supposed to be dressed like of a certain time period and shit. And if you think, oh, Tim, that sounds like a really bad job for you, you're right. Um, <laughs> like, she was really good at it. She'd be like, oh, what's a cell phone? And, like, they'd come up to me, and I'd be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> um, so I would maybe see Zelda, like, two or three times a year. Um, but out of nowhere, she said, hey, do you want to go to uh, your, friend's, uh, your friends from college New Year's Eve party? And maybe we'll meet up ahead of time and uh, head over there together. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, wait a minute. This, I mean, I may be wrong. I'm terrible with uh, human interaction, just in general. (laughs) But this sounds like it could be a date. Uh, uh, Not only because, like, it was like, oh, let's meet up and head over there together. But um, I rarely talk about these things. But, like, New Year's Eve is, like, a pretty solid sex holiday, right? Like, we can all agree on that. Like... (laughs) Like, I have, th- yeah. Like, I, I have pulled two, do you want to get out of here's in my life? And they were both, they both worked, I think, because they were on New Year's Eve. And here's a pro tip for uh, one night stands, by the way. Um, don't think that you need to go out for breakfast with the person next morning, because that really ruins the mystique. Um, so, anyways, I, um, I consulted with a friend of mine, maybe the worst friend to consult with on this. Uh, uh, his name's Asher Perlman. Um, some of you know him, and, uh, for those of you who don't know him, he's the wrong person to talk to about, uh, advice for women because, like, on a cellular, uh, uh, like a molecular level, he's made of handsome. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't need to try. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, but in the end, we, we sort of, like, came up, came to the conclusion, like, I had two options. I could either, like, like, clarify, like, what's going on before the party, or I could play it cool. And that second option has never been an option for me. Um, so what I decided to do is uh, uh, just clarify things before the party. So I got into Zelda's car. Uh, she picks me up. I get into Zelda's car. We're talking. It's, it's like, fine. Uh, and then I, I ask, like, because we're getting close to my friend's place. I ask, hey, listen... Whatever the answer is, that's fine. But um <laughs> I'm just I like I just want to know, like, is is this is this like a date? Here here are the responses I was prepared for. <laughs> yes or no. What I got was laughter. <laughs> 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 It was like a heavy laughter, and then, uh, no! And and then, here's the shitty thing I did. I started, like, not blaming, but, like, kind of blaming it on her. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, but you wanted to meet up ahead of time, and then we'd head over together, so, yeah. <laughs> um.
5: <laughs>
9: so then, before we went in, I was like, okay, cool. Just glad that I know. I, I wanted to, of course. Uh, but then, before we went in there, I was like, I. I tried to wrap it up, and I was like, hey, uh, I'm not your date, but I got your back in there. And it was like a fun little thing or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we go in there, and the first thing that Zelda does is uh, go up to my friends. I'm not making this up. And says, guys, I have the funniest story. You will not believe what Tim just said to me in the car. And I was right next to her. like, And look, she was not trying to be mean. She's just Zelda's a little dumb, you guys. Like,
5: <laughs> she's just a little dumb.
9: And I think she genuinely thought this was gonna be funny. So like, all my college friends are like, in the circle around her. And she's like, Tim asked if this was a date. And I think my college friends were expecting something funny to happen. But the only thing on their faces was like, oh, Tim. What do you-? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I, I survived through that. But then for the rest of the night, here's what Zelda does. Again, sort of oblivious to feelings, I guess. She's not a sociopath, but she acts a lot like a sociopath, you guys. She starts using the little catchphrase I made in the car. Hey, I'm not your date, but I got your back. And she yells it across the room for the rest of the night. Now, I'm rare. I'm, I'm a man who I can rarely look like I'm enjoying the things that I enjoy in life. Like there's no way that I can pass off like yeah this is what I want on this night. So to cap to cap the night off, she she goes home with a buddy of mine and sleeps with him. Uh, it's okay, It's really okay. It's really okay. This guy had uh, uh, slept with some some ex girlfriends of mine. His his purpose in life is to sleep with women. <laughs> I've just accepted that. His name is uh, for the metaphor Gannon. Let's call him Gannon. <laughs> Um, but so then I, I, uh, you know, I, I, my college friend, I'll, I'll kind of know what's up. And I think one of them talked to her and she calls me the next day and was like, Hey, l- let's get lunch. And I was like, Oh, that sounds awful. But I agree anyways. <laughs> so then we grab lunch and she was like, that wasn't rude of me or anything. And here's guys, here's the thing that 28 year old Tim knows is what? Let's just all – just as a, a race of, of people, let's just all be like more honest with each other, okay? Because uh, if I'd have just been like in the car, have been like, uh, uh, oh, you know what? I kind of thought this was a date, but if it's not, that's totally – you know, just a little bit more honest. But when she said, um, did you think it was a date? I was like, no, of course not, uh, at at lunch the next day. um, So it's super weird between me and Zelda right now. And Zelda is also my ride home for the holidays. (laughs) (laughs)
5: Um,
9: So we did that this year. I I rode home with her, and she would, like, any time a song had sexual content, she would fast forward. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, So what I've come to realize is, like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think a lot of people are going to have... Sort of uh, positive messages tonight, uh, and that's great. what I 'm saying is let's let's keep those expectations a little low <laughs> like in life sometimes like 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 in life overall. Uh, like the best days of my life have been the ones where I just don't put high expectations up there and I just let good things happen. And I think we could all do that. And I think from now on, uh, for the holidays, I'm just going to take the mega bus. Thank you, guys.
0: Um. So this is a song. Uh, <coughs> Dwight is a mantras for another band.
3: Uh, it's not. It's not just me that he plays with. Uh, it's weird just- though. Like my band wanted me to go to a restaurant where like
6: Eric and the rest of this band was, but like no. <laughs>
0: So jealous. Oh shit. Um, so Dwight's in a band called Contents Under Pressure. He is their singer. They are like this awesome, like shreddy, hard rock guitar band, and we're gonna do one of their songs <laughs> with what you see before you. Uh, the song is called Me and My Broken Heart. Uh, Dwight, you guys got any shows on the books that these people can go to? Nope. Because there are two of them have kids and are married, and two of them, one of them's
4: getting married, and we have no time to play. <laughs>
6: Yeah! Yeah! yeah. Woo. <laughs> All right?
5: All right.
0: <laughs> Mary Beth, bringing it home. Anyway, uh, this is me <laughs> and my broken heart.
6: See us, me and my broken heart. The one you ripped out, the one you tore apart. Now I can stand away. Yeah, please. Until I finally get you over you. Until I forget when the thought of yeah. with someone else. Take back this feeling can keep everything just to remind you to
0: Appreciated like extra three minutes of solos in that song. (laughs) This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com.
5: Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot two three five four eight X.